BC government is removing legislative barriers blocking Indigenous governments from exercising their own jurisdiction over child welfare matters, a change that is being applauded as an overdue break from the lasting structures of colonialism. Here is BC's Minister of Children and Family Development, Mitzi Dean, making the announcement. I have the great honour of introducing a bill that will modernise the Child and Family and Community Service Act and the Adoption Act. We've been working collaboratively with Indigenous peoples to put the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples into action. Today is about respecting Indigenous families and recognising the significant work and dedication of our Indigenous partners who made this possible. I am so honoured to be here today and I look forward to our first reading in the chambers later. Well, joining me now is Mitzi Dean, BC's children of uh, BC's Minister of Children and Family Development. Uh, Minister Dean, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, Jazz. Good afternoon. Uh, in regards to this announcement today and the, the legislation, how would it work in practical terms? Yeah, so I'll give you an example. Um, say, for example, um, the ministry receives a significant concern uh, in a report about a child or youth. The first thing that the ministry needs to do is find out whether that child is Indigenous. And as soon as the ministry is aware of the um, status of that child, then they need to reach out. Uh, they need to find out what nation that child is a member of and reach out to that nation and talk to that nation about their laws and find out whether um, the nation has laws with regard to child welfare and, and, and um, child and family services. And so what needs to happen is the child needs to get the services that they need, depending on what the particular issue is. Um, and the ministry needs to um, find out from the nation if they're exercising jurisdiction. And if they have authority, then they will exercise that jurisdiction and they will provide the care and the safeguarding and they will uh, provide the support for that child and youth. They'll keep that uh, child and youth connected to their family, to their community, to their culture. We know that that is so important mm -hmm. and that really helps Indigenous children and youth thrive. And the ministry will be able to step away um, and the ministry will always be there and be able to offer support, but that child or youth will be able to stay connected with their, their culture and the, the laws exercised by that nation that reflect their values and their teachings and their culture will continue to inform the services and the support that that child and youth will receive. Uh, do these First Nations communities have the resources uh, to deal with the, 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 the challenges that are there? I mean, uh, taking a child in and dealing with the needs of one child, perhaps many children, still takes lots of dollars and time and support staff. Uh, are there a dollar, is there a dollar value to this or is this going to be separate dollars from the federal government? We've been hearing for a long time um, from nations that they want to exercise their inherent right to jurisdiction in relation to child welfare and child and family services. Um, and the federal act that was um, that was passed by the Canadian government came into force in 2020. And that really creates a pathway for jurisdiction. And the way for supporting the exercising of jurisdiction for nations is that the nation's through their Indigenous governing body, can ask the federal government for a coordination table. And the, the province comes to that table as a partner. And at that table, the nation, through their self-governance and self-determination, um, will really lead the process of creating that coordination agreement that will 
um, actually identify the, the um, jurisdiction that they're um, exercising and the way that they want to have services delivered in their community. And then a, a fiscal solution needs to be found with um, in agreement through that process with the federal government at the table and the provincial government there as well. So for each nation, it's going to be different. I think about um, I think about all the children and youth that I know across the province and um, Indigenous uh, young adults who are leaving care as well, maybe moving back to community. It's going to look different for all of them because nations, you know, through their self-governance and through what their vision is for their children and families, they're going to create a, their own system based on their values and their culture and, and their teachings. And the, the province has also committed as part of the Declaration Act Action Plan to co-developing with Indigenous um, nations and leadership mm-hmm. and communities a BC-specific fiscal framework that will support Indigenous jurisdiction over child and family services. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers here, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the census data from 2021 shows that ing- Indigenous children uh, made up 54% of those under the age of 14 uh, in for- foster care, despite representing just uh, just over 7% of children in that age group. So they represent 54% of those in foster care. Uh, why is it collectively, and I'm not just the BC government, but the Canadian government as well, why has it taken us this long to get here? Because BC, uh, to my understanding, is the first province um, looking at this type of legislation. Why has it taken us so long to get here collectively as a society? Yeah, well, we know that for far too long, Indigenous children and youth have been overrepresented in the child welfare system. And since forming government in 2017, our government has been absolutely committed to reconciliation. We passed the Declaration Act, and in 2018, we actually changed provincial legislation to make improvements to the child welfare system so that the ministry would be able to support children and youth staying in their communities. So, for example... Um, if a child or if a concern was raised about an indigenous child or youth, the ministry was then able to approach the nation that child or youth belonged to, and ask, is there is there an auntie, is there a friend of the family, is there someone who would be able to step in and offer some support in that particular situation, so that the child and youth can stay in community and connected to their family and their culture. Mm-hmm. And then the federal act um, came in and came into force in 2020, and so we've been continuing that work. We have worked in collaboration with Indigenous partners, with uh, First Nations leadership, uh, modern treaty nations, Métis Nation BC, rights and title holders, in order to really collaboratively work on the provincial legislation that needed to be changed because it really still contained barriers to the pathways of federal act created for nations to exercise jurisdiction. And what we wanted to do was work in partnership to remove those barriers and to support nations in exercising their inherent right to jurisdiction. And at the end of the day, that will mean that more Indigenous children and youth stay in their community and come back to their community as well. Uh, Minister, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your interest, Jazz. And I want to say a big thank you to everybody who has helped us in this work. Um, and we know we have a lot more to do, but this really has been um, a, a great achievement in collaboration with so many other people. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Minister. Thank you.